Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder. This week, an update on the Veterinary Nurse Initiative with attorney Mark Cushing. You do not want to miss this discussion on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the toughest topics that we have been talking about for the past two years is the Veterinary Nurse Initiative, or VNI. Today, we're going to talk about what it is, what it isn't, and what the future holds with one of the attorneys at the center of it. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am your host, Dr. Ernie Ward. I'm Dr. Cindy Courtney. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And guys, you are in for a special treat today because our guest is none other than Mark Cushing. And Mark is an amazing attorney. And if you haven't had the chance to see him lecture or read any of his articles in many of our veterinary journals, please go find it today. Mark Cushing, just like the disease, but not a veterinarian. But Mark has a very storied history and career already. He is a graduate of one of the most preeminent law schools in the country, that is Stanford Law, and he is currently on the adjunct faculty at the Lewis and Clark Law School in Portland, Oregon, which, if you're not familiar with that, that is one of the top environmental and animal law programs in the country and maybe even the world. He also is a visiting lecturer at the University of Oregon. Mark, has done it all. He has been involved at government lobbying. He's been working with legislation. He's worked in the human field and medical field. He's worked in the veterinary field. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. Good to be with you, Ernie. Great topic. Mark, where are you, where are you calling from today? I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's one of my rare days on the ground, not in the air. So I'm You've got my undivided attention. <laughs> and for those of you that, you, if you don't know Mark, Mark and I share a passion, and it has to do with two wheels and a chain, and sometimes it means that we flip over handlebars. But Mark, you're quite the cyclist. I'm a, uh, I'm a journeyman cyclist. It's a good, sit, it's a good town to be a cyclist <laughs> in. The road's dry, and if you don't want to ride up a hill, you don't have to. So... <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, I, I don't share the love of hills like some of my cycling friends, so I love it out there. But today, Mark, we've got you on because you are at the epicenter of one of the most controversial, contentious, and important topics of our time, and that is the Veterinary Nurse Initiative. And for those of you not familiar, let me just give you a quick backgrounder. Uh, what it is seeking to accomplish, this veterinary nurse initiative, really three main tenets. And one, that's a unified or single title. Because if you think about it right now, there's about four titles, which we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, number two, to establish universal or standardized credentialing requirements. I mean, right now, depending on the state that you practice in as a veterinary technician, the requirements are different. And then finally, and what I think is one of the most underemphasized and discussed components, and that is a, a universal scope of practice. Because what a veterinary technician, a licensed or registered or certified veterinary technician can do in certain states varies. So that means that your scope of practice from California is different than it is in Massachusetts. So Mark, I want you to talk to us all about that today uh, and more. So let's first of all, bring us up to date on where are we? Thanks. So the Veterinary Nurse Initiative is being managed by my firm, which is the Animal Policy Group. Animal Policy Group does political, regulatory, strategic, 
work uh, throughout the country on behalf of animal health interests, from veterinary schools to pharmaceutical to practices, uh, pet food, and so forth. Uh, we've been hired, and we are trying to pass legislation, ultimately in 50 states, which is difficult and timely or time-consuming. And we have begun the process in Ohio. We're soon to launch it in Indiana, Georgia, and possibly Oklahoma, Virginia, and ultimately, as I said, all 50 states. And Mark, there's been some breaking news with regard to the Ohio state legislature. Right. Veterinarians and vet techs in the call understand the Veterinary Practice Act, and that governs in each state essentially anything done or anybody who wants to do anything in the veterinary space. We have to get legislation passed, not by the vet med board, but by the legislature itself in any state to make these changes. The first state we went into was Ohio for political reasons, as well as the nature of the support we had in Ohio, through the Ohio State Veterinary College in Columbus and the Ohio Veterinary Medical Association and the Ohio Vet Tech Association. So we were delayed for nine months due to the Speaker of the House resigning due to an FBI <laughs> right. investigation, which had nothing to do with us. But it made the news. But, anyway, <laughs> but it made the news, it made things interesting, but slow. And in uh, the second week of December, we had a 60, that's six zero, 60 to 28 victory in the Ohio House. And the change, it's important, uh, Ernie, to, for listeners to understand this, all we're doing in Ohio, because they have credentials, they have the requirements for the credential, which is in that case a registered vet tech, an AVMA accredited degree, number one, and number two, passage of the VTNE National Board Exam. And so all we're doing in Ohio with the legislation is substituting the term nurse for the term technician. So registered veterinary nurse or RVN becomes the moniker that all credential vet techs would use in Ohio. Now, the clock ran out, unfortunately, with the legislature uh, in the holidays and the two-year cycle that it's on, meaning that we have to go back in January repass it in the House, and it's essentially the same House, so we shouldn't have any problem, and we'll get it passed in the Senate. And I would expect by the second quarter, I'm hoping by the end of March, uh, it will be official and, and, and on the record in Ohio. And, and if you're listening today, and again, you're not quite familiar with all of the different terminology that we're using, I mean, let's let's back up one more step. Currently, 19 states use the term certified veterinary technician. 15 states use registered veterinary technician, which is what our Becky Mosser is. 13 states use licensed veterinary technician. And then good old Tennessee uses the term licensed veterinary medical technician. So, Mark, this first step in Ohio of unifying under a single title, I mean, it's a big step, isn't it? It is. And, and we get the least resistance from people with the choice to use registered veterinary nurse rather than certified veterinary nurse or licensed veterinary nurse. And that's because each of those terms or initials have a certain meaning in the human healthcare context and invites a potential legal challenge or political challenge that we want to avoid. So the, the use of the term nurse within the vet tech community, as, as Becky probably knows, has roughly 80% support. Uh, about 20 to 25% of vet techs 
or registered certified or licensed vet techs aren't fans of nurse generally because they feel the vet techs do more than nurses. I'm happy to talk about that issue if you want, Ernie, but I'd say overall we've got within the veterinary community support for the use of the word nurse because quite frankly, that's a valued term. People are familiar with what nurses do in their own human health care, and it probably captures at least 90 to 95% of what a, a credential vet tech does in a given day, and it's held in extremely high regard. So we couldn't come up with a better name, and I, I think this is a good start. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because I think that's one of the things we hear most often is I do so much more than a nurse. And, you know, I have to say personally, I cringe every time I hear that because I think it's so insulting to the nursing community. And I have to say, I'm like, if that's the case and you've never you've never received received nursing care in a small town, because if you look at their graduation requirements, they absolutely, you know, have to learn a lot of the same things that we have to learn on the scope Granted, they concentrate more, and of, of course, we cover more species. But do talk to that point just a little bit. How 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 are you addressing that resistance? Because that is one of the number one things we hear. Well, first of all, uh, it, we have compared with Lincoln Memorial University, Michigan State, Purdue, three institutions that have vet tech programs, nursing programs, and actually have uh, veterinary colleges as well. We've laid out the curricula for a two-year associate degree in nursing, a two-year associate degree in vet tech or veterinary technology, and they're almost identical um, in terms of the amount of science, amount of biology, what you would call kind of core uh, requirements. They have a board exam they have to pass. They're regulated. There's really no meaningful difference except one that actually cuts against vet techs. The problem with the term vet tech. And most of the motivation behind this entire initiative is that the public, and pet owners in particular, have no idea what a vet tech means. And they hear the term and two things come to mind. One is they assume it's a technical job. They assume it's an equipment oriented job, which is partly true, but certainly not mainly true. Secondly, and this is really the heart of the matter, they have no idea that a vet tech has any education or credentials or examinations behind it. They think it's somebody who loves animals, um, is willing to work for less than adequate pay in many cases, and uh, just has a heart of gold and may be very helpful and they may seem very knowledgeable. But what they don't know is so valuable. They don't know that there is the training, the education, and a national board exam behind it which means that whatever a vet tech tells you, for many pet owners, they're not sure if they're supposed to take it to heart. They're not sure how much is behind it. Right. And I don't say that out of disrespect for vet techs. I'm just saying that's the nature of the process of having degrees, examinations, and the like. So uh, that's that's the rationale number one. And and just also as a as a side question, you know, working for an international publication um, and doing some editorial work for Clinicians Brief, for instance, we we have readers who in their country they're already regularly referred to as veterinary nurses. Is is that something that comes up during those discussions as well? That on an international level, this is something that you know the U.S. is is maybe not consistent with other areas in the world. Well, that's interesting. We point that out, particularly because the UK, which is 
with the exception of Canada, probably the country closest to our system, if you will. We point that out. But as you all know, and probably the listeners know, Americans aren't always that interested in how other countries do things. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good thing, but Fair. that's just a fact. Those darn Australians. So it, yeah. it doesn't come up very often, <laughs> to be honest with you. But we do use that as, a, as an example that it hasn't blown up the system or oh. hasn't caused any problems. It's just a good, simple way to standardize and get people to understand what this health profession does. Uh, which is a vital service, but they're just not appreciated and understood. And we think this is a great way to uh, turn that around. Right. So, Mark, I think we're all in agreement uh, that the term nurse is probably the appropriate one, especially at this time. Obviously, we can have different opinions and disagreements around that, but that seems to be what we have united around. So the single title, veterinary nurse, registered veterinary nurse, and so forth. The second component, though, of the VNI, and you've alluded to this a little bit, is the credentialing requirements. Because right now, if you're credentialed in one state, you may not have a direct transference to another. So let's talk a little bit about those credentialing requirements, because you kind of just touched on it, but I think it deserves a little more discussion. Every profession, healthcare and otherwise, in American professional history, at some point has recognized it needs to standardize credentials. A, to communicate what the profession does. Secondly, to generate the respect and understanding of the value of the profession. But third, to your point, Ernie, to enable it state to state to have some mobility. And that's essential. And, and there's no good argument against that. You know, if you had 50 different states that had different terms for medical doctors and essentially different licensing, it wouldn't be a better country. It would be confusing and, and, and wouldn't be in the interest of the public. Right. And Mark, that's a really important point because we know that there are at least three states that have no regulations and legislation around these terms. They don't really have the requirements for a veterinary technician. And those states are Louisiana, Hawaii, Connecticut. So I think that it's really important for us to seriously address these credentialing requirements. It's one of those things where you kind of look back and you go, how have we gotten away with it for this long, right? Great point. And We've had people raise the question, well, why are you starting in Ohio or soon to be Indiana? And, and, and not Louisiana, right. Right. And the answer is there's so much individual history, differences of opinion, vet techs themselves that really are divided about, is it going to be good or bad for me that to go into those three states and try to teach the whole program, the value of credentials and so forth, that take us years. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, I think, Cindy, for us as veterinary professionals, we're also trying to get standardized scope of practice, you know, because yeah. you and I know that different states allow veterinary technicians to do different things. So, you know, maybe let's talk a little bit about the universal scope of practice that's part of the VNI. I think it's an important thing to talk about because I think it's another area of opposition. When people say, I'm not against the VNI, but I think there are other more important issues, and getting a scope of practice is one of the ne the next most important. So that's one thing that I hear a lot from technicians in the industry. Yeah, and I, I think it's definitely something that's important, and I think I don't necessarily think they're opposed to one another, um, I, I think there is an argument being made of, you know, are we going to get resistance to the name change and will that get in the way? But um, I, I think it makes it very clear when you have the same name, and especially if you know that that's common across the, the spectrum, 
that, okay, well, I go to a different state and they have the same name and the same credentials, so they can hopefully do the same tasks. I know it was confusing for me moving from Virginia to Missouri and practicing in a different state that my technicians were no longer allowed to give rabies vaccinations. And that meant that I needed to adjust my process in terms of what we could do on a daily workflow. Um, when I was teaching veterinary technicians, it was you know challenging to be to have to teach that you know, hey, this is, you know, what we see as a goal. This is what we see as a standard. But but sometimes the laws are just not clear. And this is our best interpretation of them so far. But it's really not perfectly spelled out. So, Mark, maybe explain to our audience, you know, what is what are we trying to achieve here with this universal scope of practice? What does it actually look like? What can a tech do, hopefully, on the other side of this VNI? Well, I may disappoint the hosts of the show <laughs> because... At the Veterinary Nurse Initiative has multiple phases. Right. And phase one is registered veterinary nurse as the standard title based upon a combination of AVMA accredited degree and passage of the VTNE National Board Exam. Period. Right. Period. So we are not proposing scope of practice changes in the states that we're in now for this reason. Those states have fairly well-defined, in some cases identical, in some cases close to identical, scope of practice uh, definitions, and they've got history, and we decided not to take on the battle of commonizing, if you will, or making uniform every single definition of the 35 things or 75 things that a vet tech or, or credential vet tech is allowed to do. However, we will be going into states in the next phase where there's really no definition to the points that were just made and very well well stated. In those states, we'll try to do more. In those states, we wouldn't introduce the name registered veterinary nurse and introduce the value and have the samples to provide them of the scope of practice that's most commonly used throughout the country. So it it's ultimately the goal, but... Uh, step one has been just what I described. Right. And, and that's really important thing to point out to the audience. Again, step one is the universal title. Step two are the credentialing requirements. Step three is this universal scope of practice. And and Mark, this could take a decade, right? I mean, this is not something that's, that's <laughs> going to happen next year. Uh, here's, here's the pattern I think it will take, uh, or the path it will take, and I'm glad you, you raised that. It's going to take us three to four years to get enough victories under our belt that people that aren't supporting on the sidelines or even oppose relax and go, you know what, this is a good thing, a good thing. And states will then come in and force and say, we want to do this. And then we'll get to 25, 30, 35, 40, I think. Uh, and, and I'm hoping in a five-year stretch. And in, in the case of some of those states, we'll clean up or modernize their practice act scope. And that's, that's a good thing. There'll probably be states that 10 years from now, uh, they're still saying to hell with <laughs> registered <laughs> veterinary nurse. By God, we're not doing it. But, but I'd like to think not. But I think it will take some time. Part of the pace of this has to do with what's the most contentious issue, which we can get to, I hope, uh, which is who opposes this? And, and I want to, when it's the right time, ask that question, Ernie, because it, it will fascinate people. Uh, who's opposing 
the idea of a registered veterinary nurse. Well, Mark, I think we'd like to go there now. I mean, we've had other guests on here discussing their opposition to the term. So maybe let's hear it from your perspective as an attorney, you know, who's who's supporting this. Okay. So, you know, I'm an attorney by training and practice, but I, I spend most of my life in the political, in the lobbying and the regulatory world. Um, and I will tell you, the opposition that counts here are who are the, who's the group, if anyone, that show up at the legislature and try to stop this from happening. Not people that don't like it or, or have a different opinion, but the people that actively... Yeah, who's, got, who's going to raise the money to lobby, who has the political muscle and moxie to pull it off. Right, right. And it's one group only. Yep. The National the American Nursing Association, ANA. The American Nursing Association is an extremely powerful national organization that funds legislation throughout the country to increase nurses' practice rights. Right. Often the battle that you read about between nurse practitioners being able to prescribe medications as opposed to doctors or physician assistants. Very powerful. There are, in a state like Tennessee, I think close to 100,000 nurses. Wow. So it's a big political group. They know what they're doing. And they have decided that they have the right to the name nurse and nobody else does. And they don't make any argument that it's bad for health. They don't make any argument that it confuses people. They don't make any argument that public health is threatened. They don't make any argument actually at all except we like the name and nobody else gets to have it. And I've got to share an anecdote that some of your listeners particularly appreciate who might have gone to Ohio State. So Rustin Moore is a very dynamic dean at the Ohio State Veterinary School. And he happened to be in the hearing room in the House Agriculture Committee in the Ohio House of Representatives in March. And there was a hearing on our bill. And the lobbyist for the Nursing Association made the point I just made. He said, by God, that's our name and nobody else gets to have it. And Rustin raised his hand and, and the chairman said, uh, Dean Moore, uh, he said, could I be heard on this? And they said, well, sure, come up and he joined the man at the table, and he said, well, it's interesting. I'm a doctor twice. I'm a PhD, and I'm a DVM. There are nine separate health professions in Ohio that recognize the term doctor, and we don't sue each other. Right. You know, we don't fight, and we don't lobby against each other. Yeah. People don't go to the Cleveland Clinic for a spay and neuter, and they don't go to a <laughs> Banfield for a heart bypass, and there are no problems, and doctors are a pretty arrogant bunch. And they seem to get along, and I'm just amused at the notion that nurse somehow is an entirely different level of esteem or status or characteristics <laughs> that wouldn't allow that title to be shared. And the entire committee burst out laughing, and they turned to the nursing lobbyist and said, "Yeah, is that your argument? And he said, yes, that's it. So I've just made fun of it, but yeah. I will tell you, in Tennessee, they came in and carpet bombed our bill over a five-day period with political pressure tied to the upcoming elections last year or we just had. And they caused people to come up to us privately and say, I want to vote for this bill. It's a great idea, but I can't because I don't want the nurses fighting me in my election. I don't need a thousand nurses showing up when I give a speech with a picket sign. So it's, it's a strange battle. It, it's it's all around the edges. It has nothing to do with what we're doing or it has nothing to do with the nursing profession, but they've decided it's in their interest to fight us. So 
once we have enough victories, sorry for the long uh, commercial here, once we have enough victories, they'll back off and move on to other things. But for now, you know, we're expecting to see him again in Ohio. We'll see him again in Indiana. We'll see him in Georgia, I'm sure. And it's just a question of whether uh, politicians in a non-election year can say to them, we're not really interested in that argument because it frankly doesn't carry any weight. Yeah. And again, it's not to harp too much on the international argument, but I, again, find it so interesting that in the UK, that it's kind of backwards because up until recently, almost all veterinarians have been called Mr. or Mrs. and they've been veterinary surgeons. They haven't been considered doctors. And so they've had veterinary nursing longer than they've had veterinarians who've been able to be called doctors. And they've just now like allowed veterinarians to use that as an honorific. So, so I, again, just find that interesting that it, it goes the other direction and it on was the other all, side of the pond. always so confusing in those yeah. James Harriet books. I was always confused. I was like, wait, <laughs> right. I go to Wait my vet. Yeah, it was very confusing. So, Mark, again, as, as we sort of wrap this thing up, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to this issue, and I wish we could cover it all today, but again, we would be here for hours. Um, one other issue that comes up beyond the, the universal scope of practice is liability. And so I've heard that thrown about quite a bit as an argument against moving in this direction. Would you care to discuss the personal liability of a veterinary nurse as opposed to a veterinary technician. No difference whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you. And again, I don't understand how some of these arguments are being made, but you know, that's one of those little obstacles that that we've had on this show and certainly I've I've confronted in, in public at, at lectures. And I, I keep going, wait, that doesn't change the liability. This is a title, right? I mean, the scope of, of practice, you know, who knows as we move forward in time, but you know, this right now we're not talking about liability. Correct. Right. And, and, and Ernie, you've always got to remember something. And, and I, I know you know this. So I've been 14 years full time in the area of animal health and veterinary on the political and regulatory front. And I've learned one thing. Change threatens this industry like no other industry. It doesn't matter what the issue is. If, if change is on the table, people get nervous and they start throwing out arguments and they, they mean them, they're, they're well-intentioned, but they just say things like, oh my God, the liability issues are, and you can go down the list. And, and I always, you know, I end up laughing about it because it, it's just a simple change that increases the respect that allows the pet owner to realize that that vet tech now, the vet nurse, knows more than they probably thought and has a lot more to offer, just like the nurse does in their own doctor's office. And therefore the veterinarians get to spend more time on high value, procedures. And, and most importantly, the trained, credentialed vet tech, now vet nurse, gets to practice to the full scope of her training. And that's the real sin right now is that we, there's been studies that show that credential vet techs may be utilized at a 50% level of what they're actually trained and qualified to do versus right. what yeah. veterinarians yeah. allow them to do. And that's going to change, not overnight, but it will change with this title change. You begin to see veterinarians realize that they're just shooting themselves in the foot to not utilize people to the full scope of their training and ultimately pay them more, respect them more, make it a career. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's going to do a lot of good things, but, but it's changed. So with that comes skepticism and nervous 
nervous hands ringing. For sure. And and I'll completely admit to having been guilty of that. I was just, especially as a result of even recordings we've done, I've been in discussions with my team to say, hey guys, I know I love derm and I know I love looking at skin slides, but there is re- really no reason I should be doing this. <laughs> and so so I, I think we all need to look at our ourselves and and hopefully that change will just make it even easier. The only thing, the only topic we didn't cover um, that, that I'm sure you hear about, and I'm sure Cindy does, is there are veterinarians whose only opposition is, am I going to have to pay them more? And I encounter that all the time, and it's a funny argument, and, and my response is pretty simple. I always say, I hope so, but not because the law passed. There's, there's nothing in the law that obligates you to to, to raise the hourly hourly pay, but they're going to do more. Your practice is going to thrive and you're going to be happy to share it. So, you know, and you might have a long-term relationship. You might have career uh, registered vet tech or vet nurse, and you won't have the problem with turnover that everybody tells me they face. So, but that does come up. It's a short-sighted, but it's a, it's a real concern that some vet practices have. They're earning more. Yeah. Yeah, I I have been saying this for my entire career. The only way to elevate the profession, Mark, is to elevate our support staff. And right now we are, like you said, change is hard, change is difficult, and we don't often like it. If you're listening today and you want to find out more about this amazing individual, Mark Cushing, and I hope we'll have him back on the show soon, uh, visit him at his website, animalpolicygroup.org. That's animalpolicygroup.org, Mark Cushing. And of course, if you want to stay involved and up to date on the Veterinary Nurse Initiative, Simply go to their website and sign up, veterinarynurse.org. There is a sign up there asking for your support to get put on a list, which is actually really powerful and important for us. So veterinarynurse.org is where you want to be. Well, you've heard what we have to say about the VNI and what Mark Cushing has to say, but we want to hear from you. Be sure to reach out to us on social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Just go search for Veterinary Viewfinder and we are there. Indeed. And are you in the 80%? Are you in the 20%? Where do you fall? And what, if anything, are you doing to take an active role in moving this initiative forward? We'd love to hear from you or even see you in action. So again, uh, find us on Instagram. We'd also love to get a review from you. Um, We love knowing that what we're putting together is meaningful to you so that we can continue to create podcasts that you love. Um, Unfortunately, Becky, who, as you all know, is amazingly productive and hardworking, had to pop off to get uh, a lot of things taken care of today. So if she were still uh, on with us, she would tell you to make sure to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. Until next time, thank you, Mark Cushing and everybody. We will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.